This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooker. Everything's fine, right? We're actually now back and everything's perfect and fine. Um, But I just have one small bit of misfortune, Shag, and there's just this little magnetic base to the microphone that I use to record Spooker episodes. And... It's just gone. And I've got no real explanation for why. And I was just thinking it could wait, be your wait, attic ghost. But wait, mag- magnets don't just stop working. Like No, no, no. That's not how magnets... I don't think magnets magnets keep being magnets. Uh, uh, like, I, I'm rewind, not as... Rewind, 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 okay. Come with me, come with me. All right, me, and me. also, okay. also, yes. my God, the fact that you did a rewind, fuck, we're so in sync, is so important for today's film. But anyway, keep going. Okay. Uh, I feel like I've explained this really badly and I'm sort of panicking a bit. So, microphones, (laughs) right? You speak into them, (laughs) you record podcasts on them. Uh, (laughs) They don't stand up in and of themselves. You you sort of rest them lying down. But then if you want them to be near your mouth, you put them on a base, right? a flat base that you connect the microphone to. Yeah. You're with me so far, right? Yeah. Any, Any number of ways to connect that microphone to the base the way that this microphone brand chose is magnetic, right? Yep. Okay, yep. You're familiar with magnets? That's yep. like metal stuff that sort of glues together, but the glue comes undone, but then it glues also, back. Also, and I just want to make a side point. Mm. Insane Clown Posse had that song years and years ago. Ah, yes. You know, that, that early viral moment where they had that song where they were like, magnets, how do they work? And everyone shat on them. And it's like, I don't think I know how magnets work. Like, I, I vaguely understand that there's a magnetic force, but it's not like I'm a magnet. It's, most people aren't. Most people just accept they exist. But anyway, sorry, continue. Oh, but I, I still get pumps to join pylons like that. I'm like, ugh, scientists know how they work, you <laughs> fucking idiots. Because <laughs> uh, I also don't really know it. I'm like, oh. And is it different to electromagnetism? But anyway, my microphone sits on a magnetic base. Can't find the base. Can't explain why not. I presume it's your attic ghost who's just come to my house now to just do some mild low-level pranks. Well, look, I want to talk about Mm. the ghost in coming episodes because there have been developments. But before that, I had Mm. this moment last night where we were watching a TV show and it's always really difficult talking about TV with you because you are the least pop culture aware person. (gasps) I've seen Ted Lasso. (laughs) Beach, Ted Lasso sucks now. Oh, what? It's got Giles from Buffy. (laughs) No, Peach, you missed it. You beat what? What? You did? Yeah, no, you missed it. Yeah, but the darts. He throws darts. It got super like every like every episode now has a lesson about like. How to be a better person. Like, it's not, yeah. But that's good. Is, isn't that good? Of, but no, really? I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. I can't believe I missed it. 
But okay, Succession sounds awesome. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out. You too. you should watch Succession. Even my pa- my yeah. parents are up to date with Succession. Peach, come on, get with the time. I'm trying. <laughs> well, I'm not trying that. Hard. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm. So yes. I was watching a show called Barry. Have you heard of the show Barry? No. It's a, it's 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 prestige TV. It's HBO. It's made by Bill Hader, who is that comedian originally from SNL. Did a bunch of stuff, including documentary now. He has created this show about a hitman who has a hit on someone related to like a drama group and realizes he doesn't want to be a hitman anymore. He wants to be an actor. Amazing. And it's so it, it's both ultra violent, funny, but as it goes on, kind of like meaningful, like dark, but sort of meaningful and felt like a really important show. And so we're in the final season. This is season four. And really, like, ominous, really interesting, going in all these different directions. And then they introduce, and I'm not going to give, this isn't a real spoiler, but they introduce a character who's seven years old, and they're basically a plot point. But this seven-year-old is, like, emotionally abused by their parents. This seven-year-old is, like, neglected by their parents. At one point, this seven-year-old is, like, drugged by their parents. And... I was watching it with Adele and both of us were just like, this doesn't feel fun to watch. This feels like a plot point written by someone who maybe doesn't have kids or a room of people who don't really have kids. Yeah. And it, Sorry, that's not an ooh for people who don't no, have no, kids. No, 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 yeah. Like you can have whatever you want. Like Sorry. Yeah, people yeah, have yeah. kids, they don't have kids, who cares, right? Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, 100%. But my point is it's like, if you don't have kids, you don't know what it's like to have kids and what mm. the ramifications of the stories you tell about kids might have on people who do have kids, if that makes yes. sense. And so we're watching this, and we're watching this kid go through the ringer, and as far as we can tell, two episodes now, there's no point to this shitness that this kid has to go through except as, like, plot points. And it just it, it almost felt a little bit like the show betrayed us a little bit. You know, here's this great show... And like, fuck them for doing that. Like these these episodes don't yeah. feel very good wa- good to watch. To the point where Adele was like, I don't think I want to watch the rest. Of-. Like you know, we we're like four episodes yep. from the end of this whole show, and she's like, I'm out. I don't want to watch the rest of this. This this doesn't feel good. She could watch Barry O, the Wikipedia <laughs> plot synopsis podcast <laughs> for someone who's not going to watch Barry, but just to get to get caught up on the plot. But the reason the reason why I bring this up is <clears> because <throat> recently we had someone. Uh, you know, one of our you know one of our listeners reach out and be like, "Hey, just genuinely curious how you guys feel about you know the fact that you, you're often talking about rappers like Drake and you know Tyler the Creator when mm. they've said some really fucked up stuff about yeah. women in the past." Mm. And it made me think, okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so so yeah, people people make choices about the art they consume, and mm. a lot of the time those choices are, I guess, sort of. D- disacknowledging things they've done in the past. Like mm. Tyler, the creator, for example, is such an interesting case because his sort mm. of teenage shock raps are kind of unforgivable, but it mm. feels like now he has grown up and he doesn't do that anymore. Mm. And collectively, I think his fan base, me included, just sort of pretend that that early work doesn't exist. Tyler, Tyler's a great example, right? Um, 
I think so. So there's two. There's two really good points to fall from this. One is Roland Barthes. Like we keep coming back to Roland Barthes. 1968, death of the author. Never, You've never read, read it. it but- I've never read it. <laughs> but you know, we got the Wikipedia plot synopsis of what of what old Barthes says, right? And so the Bartesian analysis goes: the work is the author is dead. Listen to the songs. Um, they're different from the author. The second part of what you're saying is that I think we feel more comfortable with it if we consider it's tracking in the right direction, mm-hmm. right? If uh, if we take the Tony Yayo 50 Cent example, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Tony Yayo. He's, uh, <laughs> like, he's a G. He's really cool. I've heard good things. I've heard he's very loyal. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> he's, he's tracking so in a very loyal direction. <laughs> well, you know, 20 years ago, Tony Yayo's rapping about um, pimping and drug dealing and that kind of thing and really celebrating it. And I'm, I'm not on board necessarily with uh, all of 2004 Tony Ayo's views um, expressed in song. And 2023, Tony Ayo, great podcast guest. We're going to get him on the pod. It's going to be sick. If you know Tony Ayo or his people, he seems to really have turned a corner. And I think there's something to that artist redemption arc, you, you know, based on your Tyler analysis, Shag, of like, yeah, yeah, they said some shit stuff. Now they've lived a bit more, learned a few more things, and it's obvious that they've progressed. And sort of the counter to that or sort of the exception that proves the rule on that is Kanye of like, oh, you started off reasonably good (laughs) and it's all gone downhill from there, just just sort of progressively downhill. And that feeling of um, betrayal with a sort of Kanye-type example where it's like, oh, you're actually a fucking Nazi, like DV like you're the fucking worst, like it's sort of slowly happening over time is one of the worst feelings, whereas one of the best feelings are, oh, you used to make shock raps that offended people and you've learned things over time and now the art that you push into the world is more constructive um, and and on one view, well, literally, Shag, as you and other Tyler fans would say, sort of correcting the legacy or, you know, improving the legacy of works that, that would have otherwise been left. I think it's, Really interesting to follow those artist tracks, and I think we're always more open to an artist who uh, in, improves, quote quote, their view on the world over time than one who stays the same or goes the Kanye route. Okay, well let's let's build on that because mm. unlike you, I actually have conversations with people in our comments. You're just like, thanks so much for listening. Beach. Fucking that's so unfair. <laughs> like, I really, <laughs> I'm in there. Sorry, sorry. I'm just doing. I'm just pushing your buttons. That's not cool. That's not cool. You do, you do. But I was having a conversation with this. You know, we, uh, uh, someone I know, I presume, and have exchanged messages. Yeah, with. yeah, totally. With uh, with a member of the Feelback Club. Yeah, nice. you know about this this thing and being like, yeah, you know what? We make choices about the people we mm. talk about, and the, you know. But then a couple of episodes ago, we covered the film The Woman, which yes. I, I, I think is interesting. And this is this is the point I want to get to, right, where this listener mm. was like, actually, w- well, how does that track with everything else you've said? Because what redeeming features are there in yes. talking about The Woman, right? Like, wh- what, yep. what, why would you do that, especially when it's a film that's very explicitly about brutality towards women? And, you know, yep. going back to my point where I'm like, hey, like, people who aren't parents writing these these kid characters being brutalized it's yes, the same thing of being like we, like we're just never going to know right and i thought that was a really interesting point but mm. more than that i think it's really interesting that we that i did choose the woman right so it was suggested by another listener that's not 
that's not an excuse. It was just I, I saw it suggested by another listener, and I was in a mindset where I was like, I want to really shock Peach, right? And after this conversation I had with this person, I've realized yeah. like a big part of this podcast, and I guess, and it comes down to choices because at the end of the day, like you know, we've never positioned ourselves as good guys, and I don't think we are a hundred percent good guys, really. No, but we a, are not. But a big part of this podcast is me pushing your. And you listening's boundaries, right? Like me, okay. me finding your boundaries and playing around with them. You know, in the past, like we've definitely covered worse films than the woman. Mm. But for example, the sadness as a, as a case study, there was a point in that Wikipedia synopsis that I didn't even read out, and I never would. I was mm. like, you know what? I'm not going to read this out. I don't think it's cool to put that in out into the world. But I made mm. the choice to cover the woman and cover it fully. Because I liked the idea of the fact mm. that you would hate it. And, yes. and it made me realize, and, and this, is, this is a genuine question, right? Like yep. this, this podcast is about testing and pushing your boundaries so to see if you will learn to love horror movies, not just you, but you listening. Mm. Is, that, is that okay? Like do we, do we fall over the edge of like, you know, are there points where we go beyond the boundaries and that's not cool? Genuine question. Uh, like, I don't have a great answer. And so the only way I tangle with a question like that is the mission is reasonably self-evident. And so if you sign up, then you sort of know what you're signing up for. And I guess I've consented to have my boundaries pushed. But have um, you? Because there are some episodes where I'm like, Peach. <laughs> like, and this, and like, I know we make jokes, but there yeah. are episodes where I'm like, Peach, you have no fucking idea. And I almost, <laughs> like, I almost make a joke of it. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You're going to hate this next line. And then I do it because I love the reaction. And yes, the mission is there. And yes, mm. it's about Feel Bad Club. But yeah. Can I, I consent I to what I'm not aware of as well as the other interesting well, no, thing? Like, Peach, do you consent to this thing I haven't told you about yet? And it's like, <laughs> oh, sounds fine. <laughs> yeah, you can't blank. Actually, this is a really good point. Mm. Are there any legalities? Like, I know in the 80s, because the 80s was fucked and beforehand, but mm. there's no such thing as like blanket consent, right? Like, you can't just be like, I consent to every single thing that's going to happen after this. I think that's right. I think when we had Rob Gascoigne on for the Faces of Death, episode he he brought up the example of um brown and the crown um a criminal case of like people who mixed sex and violence there's a lot of blood and poo around and everyone had signed a waiver going in of like this is the blood and poo club blood poo sex club it's sick um, <laughs> i'm so sorry i can't not laugh waiver. at that i know this is serious <laughs> but it's yeah. really funny but yeah go on go on and so um there was a criminal prosecution brought on the basis that, that that some of this conduct constituted assault, right? You, you know, it is. You're hurting someone, cutting them in the blood and the poo and stuff. It's like, no, no, look at this waiver. Um, this person consented to be in the cut blood poo club. Um, fuck, I would never go in the cut blood poo club. No, God, no. Uh, oof. And that's um, like, that is not the feel-bad club. That is No, the, that is, certainly not. That is not what the feel-bad club is evolving to. And my recollection of a judgment that I read a summary of nearly 20 years ago and that Rob and I had spoke about for about 60 seconds on a Spooko episode two years ago is that there is some conduct that you cannot consent to. There's some conduct that just falls outside the bounds of what society considers appropriate. And so you can't consent to some stuff, I think. And I think that is still good law. May well be wrong. Who knows? So... I guess I, I don't necessarily have a, a resolution to this, except for the fact that I wonder if 
we pro- like there's a few things we need to do before episode 100. Number one, we don't have an acknowledgement of country in our episode. Oh, we we probably that. we need that. I wonder if we need like a stronger disclaimer at the start, mm. just to let like let people know, hey, this is the content that we're talking about here. Yep. Not not as a blanket, you know, you consent to this, but as a like, hey, FYI, this is what's yep. going on. We need our merch out. Woo! But also, but also, as always, thank you so much for listening. Anytime this mm. pod doesn't feel like a safe space for you, that's not fun. Like we want yes. Feel Bad Club to feel like a supportive, safe space. Inclusive. Yeah. Where you hear awful things. Yeah. That's that's the that's the fine line. This is the safest place where you can hear the worst things. Um, I wanted to do a film. I want mm. so so I wanted to honor a few things, right? I wanted to honor yeah. what we're talking about today, but I also wanted to honor the fact that we're in our friendship homework era. And luckily, yes. with you know, this this film's been requested a few times, but we got a recent message from someone, and I'm just gonna highlight just like why I'm why I'm thinking about this? Why I'm talking about this? This is how the this is how the message framework went. I took a screenshot of it because because uh, I'd be able to find it quickly. So Murray wrote in and was like, "Oi, do uh, Mikhail Haneke's 1997 home invasion hit Funny Games?" And I wrote back, "This is v- v- verbatim. Pete mm. would fucking hate that. Great suggestion, lol. Cheers." And even now that I think about that, I'm like, whoa, this is... <laughs> Peach would hate that, awesome. <laughs> great, great, right? But, but like, it's very appropriate because this film is so much more than a home invasion hit, although that's exactly what it is. It was a hit uh, to the point where Michael Haneke originally wanted to make it in America because it's kind of about America, but they were like, this film's too extreme. So he made it in Austria in 1997. Then it became a hit, so he remade it pretty much shot for shot with a more famous cast in 2007. That's what we're recapping today, Peach. Today on Spooko, we are doing my, uh, Mikhail Haneke's uh, 2007 remake of his 1997 home invasion hit, Funny Games. Funny Games, open parentheses, 2007, close parentheses. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> It's my yes, favourite one. <laughs> yes, in fact, fuck, I am going, yes, you are going to... Although it'd be really funny if we then did the 1997 one because... It's exactly the same film. Oh, it's like shot for shot. It's basically shot for shot. Sick. It would have been a better film if it was called The Invitation. (laughs) It could be called The Invitation too. Oh my fucking God. The Invitation, open parentheses, 2007, close parentheses. Let's hit it. I'm going to watch this thing. There's someone here. Hello. Sorry to disturb you. I'm staying next door. Please, come in. Wow. That's a really great set of clubs. Mr. Farber. What? You want to call someone? An ambulance? Or, or the police? Why are you doing this? Have a seat. Please. I'm Paul. We're going to make a bet now. You bet that you'll be alive tomorrow at 9 o'clock, and we bet that you'll be dead. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Catch the tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> Why don't you just kill us? You shouldn't forget the importance of entertainment.
shouldn't have done that, Anne. Awesome, really, really. Uh, I suspect I'm going to be unhappy this exists at the end of it. It feels very mean-spirited, Jack. See, I don't know. See, this is such an interesting film. So first of all, this is made mm. by an Austrian filmmaker, um, Mikhail uh, Haneke, who has a lot to say. He, he's a very He's a very passionate, very angry filmmaker, usually about sort of like, social disparity. Okay. He said about this film particularly, because I think this kind of sums it up, right? He states that the entire film was not intended to be a horror film. He says he wanted to make a message about violence in the media by making an incredibly violent but otherwise pointless movie, which I think is ironic because both those movies we mentioned, The Sadness and The Woman, are incredibly violent and pointless movies. But this film, just by the mere you know, fact of its existence and the intention is way more meaningful than those films. That's a very strong argument for blokes to take 50 years off making content, I think. Like, fuck this idiot. Like, that sucks. That fucking sucks. But but, uh, what I think is really interesting about his films as well is there's almost a genre of film, both both horror films but also just films in general, of a film festival film. A film that doesn't make sense to, like, watch at home on streaming, doesn't make sense to, like, really just go to your regular movie theatre and watch, really only mm. makes sense as the event of seeing something sort of artistic. All of his films like this, and this is no different. You know, this this really feels like an important film. Uh, well, well, like, like it has a lot to say. And you'll, you'll get this as we go through the... Uh, the uh, Synopsis. The synopsis. It's a weird. This so the whole podcast. So it's it's a bit of a podcast where you do the Wikipedia plot. Well, I mean, I think what's interesting about this, you know, like you know, take what he said and then take what Mm. you know, Rotten Tomatoes said, where the consensus reads, though made with great skill, Funny Games is nevertheless a sadistic exercise in chastising the audience. This film is basically like, oh, you want this is what you want to see. Like the the point of this movie is like, hey, this is what you want to see, and. <clears throat> it's it's very interesting in the way that it makes you question that. Anyway, all right, let's there begin. There are non-male filmmakers who can't get good films made, right? Like they like scramble for funding, they scramble for eyeballs, they scramble for entries at film festivals where fucking white guys get to make piece of shit movies twice. In two different countries. He did get to make this film twice. But he's, Peach, like, you starting beef with Haneke is, like, awesome. But also, like, he's a really good, like, I think this is a good film. He can come to my house and fucking show me. Like, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I just find this so deeply unimpressive. All right, let's do it. Okay, so this is the remake with uh, Tim Roth and our Naomi Watts. As mm. the the couple George and Anne Farber, they also have a son Georgie and a dog Lucky, and they're heading to their lake house. There's a very intentional choice to make them like a well-off couple who have a lake house, 
and are just choosing to spend like a week or two. Like they haven't even decided. They're like, we'll see how it goes. They're just like, maybe we'll just come up here for a week or two. It's like that level of privilege where it's like, it's not even like a meticulously planned holiday because holidays are meaningless to you. They, they're just, they're just what you do. Um, And I like, they don't make a big deal about this, but I think it's a very conscious point. Their next door neighbor, Fred, is seen with two young men, Peter and Paul. They find Fred reacting somewhat awkwardly as they drive past and they're like, hey, we're going to play golf tomorrow. And Fred's just a bit weird. Fred and Paul later come over to help put the boat into the lake. After they leave, George and Georgie stay outside by the lake, tending to their boat. Georgie asks his father why Fred was behaving so strangely and he doesn't have a reason. While Anne is in the kitchen cooking, Peter, one of those two young men, visits and yes. asks to borrow some eggs. Anne gives him the eggs, but Peter <clears throat> clumsily drops them. Feeling a little annoyed after Peter accidentally knocks her phone into the sink filled with water, Anne gives him another four eggs and he leaves. Soon afterwards, she hears Lucky barking. Oh, and this, I hate this. I hate hearing this. It's awful. It's awful. Like this film, Ugh. from the beginning, just makes you feel utter dread. And you've got oh, to understand really bad, Peter and Paul. Are very. They are, they are, personalityless. They talk politely. They they're, they're almost curious. You know they're yeah they're almost like they're written by a filmmaker who had no fucking idea what they were doing or how to make good characters. So they find the Peter and Paul are still inside together because Lucky had jumped on Peter, causing him to break the second batch of eggs. Paul asks her to try out one of the golf clubs outside. And she begrudgingly agrees. What's interesting as well is that limit of politeness. You know, this is yeah, kind of okay. th- that that this is kind of similar to see no evil, where it's like, yes, h- how far would you let a malevolent presence push you just to be polite to them, just because yes. you don't want to break the bonds of politeness? Yes, or you don't want to like, or the opposite side of like you don't want to take the risk of disturbing, yeah, the potentially dangerous threat. Yeah, I follow. So in the boat, George and Georgie hear Lucky barking hysterically when suddenly the barking stops. Back in the house, Peter and Paul request more eggs and Anne becomes frustrated, but George Fuck, arrives. this is mad. This is now, like, like absurd, scary. Can't fucking oh. get, get some more eggs. From the beginning. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's well played how this request for eggs and this constantly breaking them and asking for more is just as malevolent as it gets. George arrives and tries to force the men to leave, slapping Paul. In retaliation, Peter breaks one of George's legs with the golf club. The two young men then take the family hostage. There's a really interesting side to this film in which constantly George and Anne are asking Peter and Paul, why are you doing this? And often they have they they just come up with different answers each time, but they never have a real answer. Like, it's just constantly like, why are you doing this? But they don't have an answer. Paul guides Anne on a hunt to find the family's dog in which he's like, colder, warmer, warmer, colder, which he had killed with George's golf club. When their neighbours, the Thompsons, visit, Anne passes Paul off as friends, just like what Fred had done before. After returning to the house, the fathers are forced to participate in a number of sadistic games in order to stay alive in hope that Fred would visit them as scheduled so they might be rescued. 
The two young men try to apologize to George, but when neglected by George and Anne, they beat them. And they beat both of them. And yeah, it's it, it, it's shot very often. The violence happens off screen. But in this case, we, we see them both sort of punch the couple onto, onto the couch. Paul asks if George or Anne want to make a bet. And they're like, what bet are you talking about? And Paul's like, I want to bet whether you'll be alive by nine tomorrow morning. We're going to bet you won't be alive and you have to bet that you will be alive. And they're like. It's not really a bet, really, is it? No, a bet's like a contract. You've got to willingly go to. Like this, I mean, this is back of the envelope script writing as well of like make a bet. Like I just. At, At this point though. And you'll either hate, I think you'll hate this, but Paul looks at the screen and goes, what do you reckon? Do you think they'll make it? Uh, like, it's just so fucking lazy. Well, no, it's so lazy. Well, I think what they're trying to say in this film the whole way through, like, it's brutal is to be like, these people are characters and I've created these characters for your amusement because you want to see them be brutalized. Yeah, like, I get it. It's not a particularly sophisticated point. <laughs> I love you, like, like yes, like, I understand. He's, like, split the atom. I'm like, hey, I split the atom. I broke the fourth wall. It's like, fucking congratulations. Like, the Joker did that in Batman comics in, like, the 1930s. Like, like, like what the fuck does this guy want? Like, I feel like he wants a medal. Who directed Hostel again? Uh, L- Eli Roth. Eli Roth. Where he's like, I'm just giving you sick fucks. What do you want? <laughs> And it's like, no, He's like, you can't do that. You made it. <laughs> yeah, like, that is a really good point. Like, you, you know, it's just so lazy and stupid. And look, it betrays sort of an arrogance as well of like, because to carry off a fourth wall break is a pretty sophisticated thing to do. It's a She-Hulk level. Shag, is that still a popular pop, pop culture reference? No one likes Marvel anymore, Pitch. I'm so oh. sorry. <laughs> oh, like Marvel's just dead. It's really dead. Is that really true? Yeah, kind of. Oh, like their well, last hope was like the new bad villain, Kang the Conqueror, and then the, the actor behind it has, has you know, been arrested for like multiple like domestic assaults. It's like, oh, they, like no one watches the shows. The fans don't know what they want. None of the movies are getting good reviews. Yeah, like Marvel is dead. Peach, I'm so sorry. Oh, it's, this is God. really awkward. <laughs> I, like I thought the Infinity Glove and all that sort of stuff was cool. <laughs> All right, Peach. Yeah. But look, let, let, sorry, because, because this I sucks, do, but let's continue. No, yeah. but I do think they, they pull off fourth wall breaking in this and we'll get there, but just wait, okay? okay. Paul frequently ridicules Peter's, so his partner Peter's weight and lack of intelligence and describes a number of contradicting stories of Peter's past, kind of like the Joker in Nolan's Batman, although (laughs) no definitive explanation is ever presented as to the Mm. men's origins or motives. During the games, Peter and Paul put Georgie's head in a bag. Georgie's the kid, remember? This is where I'm like, I don't love this. And ask Anne to strip naked again. I don't love that. Georgie is nearly suffocated until George asks Anne to follow the men's instructions. When released from the bag, Georgie escapes the house with the help of his parents. He goes to the house of Fred where he discovers bloody corpses. Meanwhile, Paul pushes Anne, whose hands have been tied 
by tape behind her back onto a sofa. But I don't care about this anymore. It's like, sir, did you like that, Peach? And it's like, I'm trying to watch the film, you fucking idiot. Like, stop interrupting your own, like. Peach, stop interrupting this, but we'll get there. Can we just get to the end? Come on. Let's get here. Well said. Yeah, okay, okay. Okay. But no, I mean, look, it's a fair point. Um, Anne asks why they do not directly kill them. And Peter answers that they should not forget the fun of the games. You know, there's points the whole way through where they're like, why would we just kill you? That's not fun. We know what people want to see. When Peter goes to the kitchen to get eggs, Anne jumps to George. <laughs> George, It's pretty funny that the eggs come back. The eggs come back, right? And George fails to untape her before Peter comes back and Peter breaks her and beats her and breaks the eggs again. Anne begs Peter to let them go, but he refuses. Georgie finds a shotgun in the house of Fred and Paul tells him to go ahead and shoot him with it, but the gun fails to go off. Paul returns him to the living room and gives the shotgun to Peter. The men play a new game, saying whoever gets counted out will be shot. While Paul is in the kitchen getting something to eat, Georgie panics and runs, which results in Peter shooting and killing the kid. And what's really interesting about this scene is that it's all told while we watch Paul in the kitchen making food. We hear what happens. We hear the gunshot. We, we, we don't see Georgie get shot, but we know it happens. And then we hear Anne's howls. Anne's yes. howls as a parent that her son has been killed. And, and then, we, then we see Paul berating Peter for being trigger happy. And the two men decide to briefly leave. George and Anne are grief-stricken over their loss. There's, I don't, I don't know if it's an amazing scene, but it goes for a long time where both of them are both like completely broken physically and just basically just try to just get up and you know process what's happened. But they eventually resolve to survive. Anne is able to free herself and flee the house while George desperately tries to make a call on the malfunctioning phone. Anne fails to find help, because remember, the phone was dropped in the water at the very yes. beginning. Anne fails to find help, only to be recaptured by Peter and Paul. There's a moment where, she's, where she gets to the street, she sees a car coming, we think she's going to be safe, and then we're back in the house, and we see she's brought back in, and we assume the car was Peter and Paul, who captured her and bring her back to the house. After stabbing George, they tell Anne to say a prayer before making a choice for her husband. A painful and prolonged death with the little knife, or a quick and brutal death with a big shotgun. While Paul is talking, Anne seizes the shotgun on the table in front of her and kills Peter. Okay. This is the whole film. We're given these moments where we think maybe they're going to get out of it, but then they don't, and then they get recaptured, and then there's punishment for them trying to get out of it. Yes. After this happens, an enraged Paul grabs the shotgun and starts looking for the television remote. Upon finding it, he rewinds the last occurrences back to a moment before Anne grabs the shotgun, breaking the fourth wall. On the do-over, Paul snatches the shotgun away before she can grab it and admonishes her, saying she's not allowed to break the rules. Uh, fuck, that sucks so much. In 1997, this was pretty surprising. Wayne's World had already happened in 1997. <laughs> Like, you know, it's just like oh, everything you've watched is dumb. Of like, oh, you can just rewind it to the start then if you want. Like, you, like, this is dumb. I hate this. This sucks. Peter and Paul kill George and take Anne, bound and gagged, out onto the family's boat. 
Anne tries to free herself but is caught by Paul and Peter. Around 8 o'clock in the morning, Paul realises that it's almost 9, kisses her on the forehead, says ciao Bella, and nonchalantly pushes her into the water to drown, thus winning the bet. They then moor the boat at another dock uh, of the Thompsons who we saw before and request some eggs. Paul glances at the camera with a smirk. Now there's one... There's this this one other thing that this film does that, again, feels very anti-audience but very pro-film festival in that it has this one soundtrack piece which is like a noise metal song that in the very beginning, for example, the family are playing like guess this composer. So they're like they put on like a classic or, you know, orchestral piece. And they're mm. like, that's Handel. And they're like, ha, 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 well done. They put on another one, right? And halfway through this game happening, which is like the most privileged, pretentious game you could possibly imagine. Yeah. Like, it's almost like a, a, a cut happens while they're, still, while they're mid-sentence. This song just blares. Then during the film, while Peter and Paul are searching for Georgie in, the other per- in Fred's house, w- I think Paul's like, we need some music puts that song on the CD player and it plays. And then at the very end, as as he looks at the camera and basically does the sort of wink, they play this song one more time over the end credits. And it's it's a very important part of this film, which I don't think is going to matter to you because I think you've made up your mind. Yeah. Uh, Shaggy picked it well, as you always do. <laughs> um, and whoever suggested it pick, picked well that I thought I'd hate it. I, like, I hate it. <laughs> That was like, I really despise that it's like, we're just giving you what you want, you fucking sick fucks. And it's like, like, yeah, just the divorcing of responsibility for a creation you've pushed out into the world and the idea that you're criticizing what you're making and the idea of, oh, that's against the rules or whatever bullshit, like, like an omniscient character who's also all powerful. It's just so, like, it makes all the stakes zero. Okay, firstly, because you can rewind anything, the stakes magically just become fucking zero. So you've watched nothing. <laughs> you've watched, you know, a fucking pointless thing. <laughs> and, like, the point being made is, oh, fuck you for watching this and for wanting to watch this. And it's like, oh, okay, great. So, like, not only have you made, like, a piece of trash, but you're insulting me, like, as, like, as you exit the building, you're, like, throwing the grenade behind you and, like, walking off thinking you're looking all slick. Fucking hated it, Jack. Hated it. Thank you, everybody, for your suggestions. <laughs> Keep them up. <laughs> Send them. For, like, no, no, but do, but do. Follow us. Chat to us. Tell us what you think. Chat to me. I'm a great chat. Yeah, actually, I'm a great chat to me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, This was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And (laughs) record.